Good morning and welcome to the third week of our God Conversation series. And today, the title is How Do We Hear the Voice of God? Now, this is the million dollar question, and I wish I could give you and me a formula. You know, like read this many chapters of the Bible, pray on your knees for 25 minutes, and voila, you will hear the voice of God. Anyone who believes they have heard God speak will rarely say it was an audible voice from heaven. So how do we hear his voice? Now, if I asked you what is the best place to hear from God, you would probably say maybe in an atmosphere of prayer and worship. And there is something about being in that place where you're cutting out the distractions of the world and just concentrating on God. And that's fertile ground for hearing God speak. But I also know that I've felt him speaking clearly to me in the shower uh, while I'm reading a book, listening to a podcast, gardening, sitting in a coffee shop and even playing with my grandkids at the park. Now, there are two things I want to say about hearing from God. And I want to tell you just a quick story about a young boy named Samuel. His, his story is, um, is recorded in the Old Testament. Now, Samuel, as a young boy, his parents dedicated him to God and he lived in the temple. And he was, um, he was like an apprentice to the, to the priest, Eli. And as a young boy, he was just sleeping in the temple and he was woken by this voice calling his name and he thought it was Samuel. So he went to the the older man and Eli said, it wasn't me, go back to bed. Now this happened three times. And on the third time, the older man, Eli, realized that Samuel was actually hearing God's voice. So he told him to go back to bed, listen, And when he heard it again, say, I can hear you, God. What do you want to tell me? So there's two things I want to say about it. Firstly, when it comes to hearing the voice of God, we need to expect it. Like Samuel, we can turn our hearts actively to seek God, believing in faith that he will speak to us. Samuel prayed Speak to me, O God, your servant is listening. Now, remember um, when I I, uh, spoke in the first week of our series, we talked about the fact that in the New Testament, Jesus says, I don't call you servants anymore, but friends. So we could change that to speak to me, O God, your friend is listening. The second thing I want to say, we need to expect to hear from God. And secondly, we have to be ready to obey. There's another version of this verse, 1 Samuel 3, 9, that says, I'm listening, God. What do you want me to do? That's the posture God is waiting to hear from us. I'm listening. What do you want me to do? Okay. Today, we're going to get into some straight teaching. So I hope you've got your pens and pencils ready. Let's get down to the practicalities of how God speaks. And this is based on the experiences of people recorded in the Bible and the stories of countless friends of God down through the ages. 
Can God speak in an audible voice? Of course he can, but usually God speaks in sign language. Now, this can be a bit scary, but we can learn to recognize the signs. And there is nothing more powerful than knowing you can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the living God. Mark Batterson says this in his book, Whisper. At some point, most people settle for secondhand spirituality. But listening to those who listen to God is no substitute for seeking him yourself. This is a special challenge to those of you who have been Christians for a long time. Stay hungry. God hasn't finished with you yet. Now, Battison talks about the seven love languages of God. And let's listen really quickly. There's scripture, desires, doors, dreams, people, promptings, pain. So we can say there's scripture, three Ds, three Ps. So let's just talk a little bit about each one of these. Let's start with scripture. Now, I want to tell you the story of the Rosetta Stone. Now, if, if you're like me, uh, as a kid, I was fascinated by uh, Egyptian history. And I remember seeing these pictures of Egyptian writing that we call hieroglyphics. And, of course, um, they would say, well, this line of hieroglyphics means, you know, the, uh, the king pharaoh went down to the Nile to visit his beloved. And I think, how do you get that out of those pictures? Well, when Egyptian hieroglyphics were first discovered by archaeologists, they couldn't read them either. They had no idea. Until they came across this stone that had three languages on it. It had hieroglyphics, it had ancient Greece, and, a, and another language. And because they knew ancient Greece, uh, Greek, they could therefore interpret the hieroglyphics. It was using one language to interpret the other. Now, that Rosetta Stone, as it's called, opened up for the world the meaning of hieroglyphics. Scripture is our Rosetta Stone. Whatever we read, hear, think, we can match it against the truths that we read in Scripture. And therefore, we can sort of translate those ideas and see whether they fit with the mind of God. Now, you might hear, the first priority in your life is yourself. Look after number one. If you test that against scripture, what would scripture say? You might hear, God doesn't care about what I do with my sex life. You can test that against the scripture. You could hear, I wasn't meant to be born. I'm a mistake. You test that against the heart of God in scripture. That's why it's our Rosetta Stone. Now, there's lots of ways to absorb Scripture. You can read it. You can listen to it. You can watch it. You can do something that's very popular around, around Gateway called SOAP, which stands for Scripture, 
observation, application, prayer. It's like a way of sort of reading the Bible until until God stops you on a verse. And you why and you and your observation is why why did God stop me there? Maybe there's an application, maybe there's something he wants me to do in with my life. And then we pray about it. Now there's lots of ways to do it, lots of ways, but just do it. You know, I was talking two weeks ago about a time that happened in my life when my husband had been called into ministry and I was so unsure that it was God's voice because I was worried about my kids and and what moving into a, a pastoral position and becoming a pastor's family was going to do to my kids. And, you know, I said that I went to a conference and the speaker spoke straight into my heart and I knew it was a a word from God. Now, this might surprise you, but this is the verse that changed my life. It was from 1 Samuel 6, 12. The verse says, The cows stayed on that one highway, lowing as they went. Oh, my God. My goodness. How could that change anybody's life? Well, this is the power of Scripture. Very quickly, in the Old Testament, um, the Israelites had the Ark of the Covenant, was which was this box that was was supposed to contain the laws of God, and it was like the presence of God was in that Ark. And in a battle with the Philistines, the Ark was captured by the Philistines. It was captured by the enemies, and they thought, we've we've captured Israel's God. We've got the power now. But then it was like everywhere they put that ark, terrible things happened. You know, the people in that town would would come down with tumours and sicknesses and and they were, oh, golly, we'll move it over here. And the same thing would happen. And they thought, well, maybe they're, maybe we have to get rid of this box because if it's Israel's God contained in this box, then it's that it's really creating problems for us. But they weren't sure. So they thought they'd set up a test. They put the box on a wagon and they got two cows that had just had calves. Now, if you know anything about cows, they when they have calves, their udders are full of milk to feed their babies. And it becomes very painful for them. So uh, when they when the cow when the calves need to come and take the milk, they would be lowing or crying out, saying, "Hey, this hurts, kids! Come and get a meal." What they did is they took these cows and they attached them to this wagon, and they said, "Okay, the the natural thing for these cows to do." would be when they hear their babies calling out, they would turn around and go back to their babies. But if they don't do that, if they head off, if they drag this wagon up the road towards Israel, so taking the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel where it belonged, then that will be a supernatural sign that God's presence is in this box. And that's exactly what happened. The cows stayed on that one highway, lowing as they went. And you might think, what did I get out of that? Well, God spoke to me clearly that as a mum, 
even though I was afraid there could be consequences for my kids, when I carried the presence of God, it would compel me to go in the direction he was calling me. But he also said to me, even though you're compelled to go in this direction, don't worry about your calves. Don't worry about your kids. They're in my hands. That impression, that story has stayed with me for over 30 years, and I'll never forget that moment. That is the power of God's voice speaking through Scripture. All right. The second one, desires. Beautiful verse in Psalm 34. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Now, surely there's a catch in this one. Do we just love God and he's going to give us whatever we want? There's not a catch, but there is a balancing truth. You've heard this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these less important things will be given to you. In other words, if you are delighting in the things of God, your passions, your desires will be part of God's voice to you. What are you passionate about? What fills you with joy and a sense of purpose? And maybe the other side of that coin is a thing called holy discontent. What really upsets you? Now, God has given me a real passion for beauty. I find God in the beauty of nature. I love to create beautiful things. You know what my holy discontent is? Graffiti and tagging. I hate it because it ruins the beauty of the environment. But you have to be a bit careful with this one. Our ability to deceive ourselves is infinite. If you feel that your desire is growing into an ego thing, that it's more about you than the kingdom of God, you're on the wrong track. But here's a question that Jesus actually asked a disabled person in the New Testament. What do you really want? Where do you feel the pleasure of God? Because where our sense of gladness and the needs of a broken world intersect, we can have so much influence for the kingdom. All right, the third one, doors. In Revelation, God says to one of the churches, I know all that you've done. Now I set before you a wide open door that none can shut. Some of you are old enough to remember the beginning of Get Smart. You know, it was Maxwell Smart going in doors that led to doors that lead to doors that led to stairs. <laughs> How does this whole thing of doors work? You might ask God to speak about a direction for a new job and you see an open door and an opportunity so you walk into it and, and then there might be a roadblock like a closed door and this this might be God sort of redirecting you to go somewhere else. If I had time, I could tell you some of the story of um, our connection with P&G and the development of the school over there. There's a, there was a whole series of open and closed doors that Rick negotiated trying to hear the voice of God. He just had to trust God. Sometimes the, 
the people he meets over there, he doesn't know why God has connected him with them. But often they're the people that open up a door to someone else who is very useful in achieving a purpose for the school. It's not always easy to discern. But uh, Rick will be talking about discernment in our last week of this series. The fourth sign language that God uses is dreams, like mental pictures or visions. Now, we might consider this a, a little bit ooky spooky, but it is the most common way we see God speaking in Scripture. Um, Incense like Jacob's dream of the staircase from heaven or Joseph interpreting dreams given to Pharaoh that ended up saving the entire Egyptian nation from starvation or or Joseph, the, the Mary and Joseph, Joseph, being warned to flee to Egypt after Christ was born as Herod was trying to kill the young king. If we have a thought or a picture that is better than our best idea on our best day, it might be a vision from God. This is part of that promise we've been talking about, and Trish used it last last week. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. The supernatural byproduct of being filled with God's spirit can be dreams and visions. All right. The fifth one. People. I call this wise counsel. You know, there's a big advantage in getting old. Maybe we're there to help others because we've been around the block a few times. But all of us in the church community are surrounded by people, family, friends, coaches, teachers, pastors. If you believe that they are all in your life by accident, maybe you are underestimating the sovereignty of God. He uses people to speak into our lives and he wants us to speak into others. Now, obviously, once again, there is discernment needed here. Words that are said to you must go through the Rosetta Stone of Scripture. You also have to consider the character of the person speaking into your life before you give it weight. We are so blessed in this community to have wise people who can help us discern God's voice. Okay, second last one, promptings. God is in the business of strategically positioning us in the right place at the right time. I love this verse from Isaiah. And whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. We need to be open to seize the day moments. You know, God directing a conversation into deeper waters. God bringing someone into your mind. Why did that person suddenly pop into your mind. Well, you send them a text, you invite them for coffee, you buy them a gift. This could lead to a holy moment as maybe that person is amazed that you contacted them at just the moment they needed it. What does a holy prompt feel like? It can feel like a feeling of restlessness, a a God-ordained desire that becomes like a fire in you. It can feel like a, a poke 
a nudge or an impression. And remember, it probably won't be about you. It's probably for someone else's sake. I've read countless stories about people being contacted or spoken to by friends or even strangers at just the moment that they despaired of their future. If God prompts you to pray, pray. If God prompts you to serve, serve. If God prompts you to give, give. God is setting you up, but you have to obey the prompting and your obedience might be someone else's miracle. And the final one is pain. Does God speak through pain? Oh, yes, he does. This is the hardest one to hear, but sometimes we hear God's voice in pain in a way we could never hear it at other times. When we go through pain, physical, mental, emotional, the natural thing is to feel that God has turned his back. So we do the same. But can I encourage you to do the opposite? to lean in and lean on him. Every great leader that I've met who has run their race with faithfulness and godly influence has been through some fire. It seems to be a refining process that clarifies us. You know, in the, um, the series The Chosen, if you haven't watched it, I would really recommend it. They have a character, one of his disciples, little James, he is lame walks with a, a stick and Jesus doesn't heal him and he confronts Jesus about this and asks him why why are you healing hundreds and hundreds of people but here I am your disciple you haven't healed me and Jesus says James I trust you you don't seek me you don't love me for what you can get from me What a witness to the reality of Jesus in our lives when we can say like the downtrodden Job in the Old Testament, no matter what happens to me, yet I will praise you. C.S. Lewis said this, I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. We are like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves the form of men. The blows of his chisel, which hurt us so much, are what makes us perfect. When you're in pain, listen to God's voice and you will hear precious things. So we can live each day with the expectation of the supernatural voice of God. Let him interrupt you, direct you, change your direction comfort you, discipline you, challenge you, use you as his hands and feet to help someone. And maybe we can say with sincerity, I'm listening, Lord. What do you want me to do? <laughs>